0: Generally, with my first sermon of the year, what I've tried to do in the past is to spend a bit of time looking back and looking forward to the year that is ahead. And what I mean by that is looking back in reflection on the year that has passed on 2020 and thinking, what did 2020 hold for us? What can we be grateful for and thank God for and rejoice in? And at the same time, what do we need to mourn or grieve or ask God for healing in? And then maybe what do we want to or need to repent of or or change or do differently in the new year? And then from that place to look forward to the year that is ahead in anticipation and prophetic expectation and excitement about what the future can look like, what what the year God has ahead for us could be. And to be asking God questions like, what are you saying to me? What are you calling me to or asking from me in this year? What are you giving me vision for or faith to do in the year that is ahead? And I think in a lot of ways that does still hold true for us as we go into 2021, but 2020 wasn't an ordinary year. And sadly, as we come into this new year, it's like we are carrying over some of the realities of last year, at least the lockdown and COVID-19 realities into this new year with us. I think the global sense from 2020 was that it was a hard year. I'm sure some of you saw the Netflix special that was released at the end of December 2020 called Death to 2020. Now, I can't kind of endorse that movie or anything like that, but I think a lot of us have felt like that, oh, death to 2020, we can't wait for this year to be over. But since this year is kind of moving over into 2021, how do we enter this new year? And what do the scriptures have to say to us as we do that? Now I know some of you might still be recovering from last year. Some of you might feel a bit confused and have questions and are maybe even hurting from last year. Maybe you're feeling anxious or fearful as we go into a new year, which has already got uncertainty hanging over it. Or maybe to you the world doesn't make much sense at the moment and there's so much injustice around. And maybe even though you don't want to admit this to some people, maybe you feel a bit angry at God over the things that have or haven't happened in the last year. Well, maybe if you're none of those things, what about if you're just in a place where God feels distant and far away, even though you have been praying and seeking him and doing everything on your end? You see, with all of those things in mind, none of these are unusual to the people of God. In fact, this is what I love about the scriptures. The the Bible is honest about human experience and, and the realities of faith. And the scriptures have a lot to say to us who are going through these kind of experiences and feelings. But probably in our culture today, what we do when we feel these sort of things is either we blame God or turn from God to something else. But here we see in the scriptures that God has given us another way to respond, and it's with the prayer of lament. And that's really what I wanted to start the year teaching you about today. Uh, We're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at prayer, but I wanted to start with this prayer of lament that we can end 2020 well and go into 2021 kind of with a clean slate. Now lament means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. So when we pray this way we're actually coming to God with a complaint. Now I know for some of you you're comfortable with that you you know you've read through Lamentations and Jeremiah and Habakkuk and some of the Old Testament prophets you know the Psalms maybe you've heard me teach on this before you know it's okay for Christians to do this kind of thing. But I'm also also sure for some of you, you don't feel too comfortable with the idea of this kind of prayer because God is a great king and he's worthy of our worship. He's all powerful. He's perfect in every way. He's holy and worthy of worship and praise. And the thought of coming to him to complain or share anger or hurt or frustration doesn't seem like the right response to a glorious God. But what we see in the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible, I think it's a book for us at this time, is that this gift of lament is all over the place. In fact, uh, theologians reckon 40 to 66% of the Psalms are prayers of lament. There's 150 Psalms. So that means a third to two thirds of the book is filled of this kind of prayer. So this prayer style is a gift to us at this time. So this morning, let me show you how to pray this way. We're going to be in Psalm 42. Uh, You can turn in your Bibles, but it will come up on the screen. And Psalm 42 is a psalm written by the sons of Korah. It's the coolest worship band name of all time. They were literally professional musicians in the temple of God, this worship band that led the people of God in praising and worshiping Him. And here in Psalm 42, we, we read their psalm or prayer of lament. So let's read these 11 verses. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, the big idea of this psalm is what do we do when we have soul trouble or in a turmoil or when... We feel spiritually dry and far from God. What do we do in that case? And this Psalm, Psalm 42, is a prayer of lament. And here we see as the sons of Korah, these psalmists, as they lament, they they take all of their feelings and all of their questions and they bring them to God honestly and openly. And this is key. They invite God into the mess of it all. We see this in other parts of Scripture. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Casting all your anxieties or cares on Him because He cares for you. The Bible calls us to cast our cares onto Jesus because of His love for us, because of how much He cares. This is another way of saying that spiritual health begins when we take the things that burden us and weigh us down and actively give them over to God and trust Him with them. He cares more about us than what we care about ourselves. And he already knows the things that we're going through, the things that are on our minds and on our hearts, causing us anxiety and stress and weighing us down and the things that we are bottling up inside. So when we lament, what we actually do is we take the cap off the bottle. We let the pressure out we and we pour out all of these things before Jesus. And that's what's happening here in Psalm 42. prayers of lament might look like prayers of complaining because that is what they are. But they're actually still prayers of faith. Get this, prayers of lament, even though they're complaining, are prayers of faith because we are coming to God with these things. We're not cutting him out of what we're going through. We're coming to him with these things and inviting him into these hard places and hard times in our lives. See, when we lament, we refuse. We refuse to turn away from God to other things. No, we go to him to deal with these things. We go straight to him. So that means prayers of lament are really honest prayers with God. He knows these things are on our minds or on our hearts already. So when we pray, we're wrestling with God, with the truth of what we are going through and letting him speak in and come and be with us in that place. Prayers of lament bring us face to face with God in the truth and in the midst of what we are going through. And we should do this because ultimately we know that God is good. We know he's loving and kind and merciful and faithful. Even when we don't understand what is going on and why, God is still all of those things. And that's why we pray the prayer of lament. So as we look at Psalm 42, how do we lament? Well, the Psalm teaches us four things. The first is that we turn to God. And this might seem obvious because all prayer is turning to God. But this is an important thing to say because often when we get into the place that we're in where we need to lament. We don't turn to God, we turn to other things. You know, We run from God, we run to other things. Sometimes we don't want to deal with the feelings or emotions that are going on inside of us. So we cover them up and we distract ourselves. We busy ourselves with things. Or sometimes we don't want to go to God with these things. So we run to another place for comfort or to another temporary savior, which we know can help us in this uh, midst of what we're going through, even if it is only short term. So we need to turn to God. But the laments remind us that God is king, that he is our savior and deliverer and refuge and stronghold, that he alone is our salvation and we should turn to him first. In fact, I'd say to you, spiritual maturity looks like when we sin or when we struggle where we need to lament, that we turn to God quickly, that we run to him because we know even if we don't understand, he's the place that we need to go. Psalm 42 verse 1 to 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The person, the psalmist, like us, wants to know God. See, they're a worship leader from their church. They've had moments of deep intimacy and communion or connection with God. And they're looking back and remembering those moments and saying, I want that now. I feel so distant from God they're remembering when God used to use them in these powerful ways leading the people of God in worship and they long for those days again but now God feels so far away and maybe you're watching this today and maybe you're watching because you feel far away from God and you want to come back to him or maybe you're watching out of habit and you feel disconnected from God and you don't even feel that this can help Psalm 42 speaks to this I remember uh, when I was in grade four at Kluf Senior Primary and Kluf Junior Primary School, singing this verse as a song. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And I had this picture in my mind of this deer panting, you know, tongue hanging out, just like a dog, desperate to get to a river and get some water because it was so thirsty. And my parents had this dog named Lucy, a real SPCA special, who was a real panther. And I remember during summer, like the hottest time of the year, I'd be in the pool and doing whatever you do in the pool. And Lucy would always be at the edge with her ball, dropping it in so that I would throw it for her. And for 10 minutes at a time, I'd throw this ball and she'd chase it and fetch it and bring it back, chase it and fetch it and bring it back. And then she would literally overheat. You know, she was she had black fur, she would get really hot really quick. And after she overheated, she'd go into the shade and cool down and just rest before coming back to me to do round two or round three or round four fetching the ball. So dogs pant, but deer don't pant. You know, so that's not the picture that should come to mind when you read this. You've never seen a video on National Geographic, this documentary narrated by David Attenborough, that beautiful silky voice. You've never seen a deer in one of those documentaries panting as it gets to the water, because a panting deer is not a thirsty deer, a panting deer is a dying deer. A panting deer is a deer that is desperate to drink and is on its last legs. So that's what we see here, a deer that is literally about to go. It's desperate. It comes down to the riverbed. It needs water to survive and it gets there and it found the bed is dry. There's no water for it to drink. No way to satisfy its thirst. And that's what the psalmist is feeling. Psalm 42 verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There's a desperation here. The psalmist needs God and wants God. He needs the satisfaction that can only come from being with God. Maybe you felt that way in 2020. Maybe you feel that way today. Well then, what's important to notice here is that when the psalmist is in this dry place and feels like God is far away and God isn't answering his prayers and no matter what he does, doesn't feel like the presence of God is with him at all. Notice here that he doesn't give up. Psalm 42 is proof he's turning to God. He's coming to God with what he's going through. And if you're in that place where you don't feel or experience God's presence, where God has maybe felt distant for a while and your prayers feel ignored for quite a while, the psalmist is showing us that we shouldn't give up on God. We shouldn't go to other things. Now, what we should do is we should continue to come to God because he is the only one who can satisfy our souls. So continue to seek him and pursue him. Now, one of the things we've talked about a lot, because it's in the scripture so often, is the idea of repentance. And repentance is turning from sin, turning from other things, turning from other beliefs, and turning back to God. Turning back to follow him, to be with him, to know him, to believe his truth. But lament is to also turn You know, it's to turn from the things that are burdening us and weighing us down and filling our minds and our hearts, the questions and uncertainties and grief and and dissatisfaction that is going on and to turn to God, but not to leave that stuff behind. When we turn to God, we bring it with us and we pour it out before God. And that's the second step in lament, is to pour out your heart, to share your burden with him. Now in Psalm 42, we read a number of things about the psalmist and their condition or their state. You know, God feels distant. They're sad. They're crying all of the time. Their soul is downcast and in turmoil. They lack hope. They feel distracted, overwhelmed, and knocked about by life. They feel forgotten by God. And even they're being taunted and mocked by their friends. They're saying, where is your God? You know, it's like someone kicking a dog while it's down. You know, everything's going wrong. Where's the God that you said was so good and cared for you? And maybe your situation today is like that, where you feel similar to the psalmist. But as he writes, he turns to God, and in verse 4, he pours out his soul of all of the burdens and weight and struggles he's carrying. Now, the writer might feel dry and thirsty, but this is so important that we get this. He's not empty. You know, we can feel empty at times, but here the writer doesn't feel empty. They feel full, like, Overful, over full over by all of the stuff that has just come at them over the last year they are full to overflowing with burdens and weights and questions and pain and they need to pour this out and get it out of their system now my second job when i left university was working at red point church and i came on staff leading an internship year it was like a one-year A gap year program where people straight out of school people kind of around that age would come and serve the church for a year and it was a lot of fun we did a bunch of mission trips there was some theological training there was a lot of different experiences but mainly it was a year serving in the church and one of the worst weekly activities was cleaning out Zorby, the zorbit pit And I'd never heard of one of these things before. I've never heard of one since. But Zorbi was a grease trap in the kitchen. It was this big black plastic box that would fill up with food and grease and oils. And whatever went through the sinks would come through this grease trap. And by the end of the week, after a Sunday, after a week of activity in the church building, that grease trap would be filled with food and fur and fluff and stench and oils and smell It was just the worst possible thing in the world. So we left it to the last thing on Friday afternoon, just before clocking off for the weekend, we would have to clean up the grease trap. So it would be ready for Sunday because Red Point, they were making a lot of meals, a lot of coffees, teas, all sorts of things. And that would go through the sinks and through Zorby, and it was disgusting by the end of the week. So what we'd do is we'd come and we'd put on our gloves, we'd put on our kind of plastic face covers so that we'd be safe. We take off the lid we get out the sieve and we would literally sieve out clean out pick out all of the junk that was in Zorby, and we would give this thing a complete wash and then throw away all of the trash now I'm saying that because at the end of a week zorbi would be clogged up and would be full to overflowing and it needed to be poured out and I want to ask you today what is in the zorbi of your heart What over the last few weeks or months or year or years has gotten stuck in there so you are saturated, you are full to overflowing with all of these burdens that you need to come and pour out before God today? What do you need to pour out or sieve out or clean out of your heart with Jesus this morning? The psalmist in the midst of all that's going on and all that is inside them and how full and overwhelmed they feel says, I don't feel God. And maybe that's you today. Maybe it's not so much what's inside. Maybe it's everything inside has made you feel so distant from God. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to do what the psalmist does. Come to God and say, God, I miss you. I want you. Would you be with me? Would you come with your presence? Would you speak to me? I don't understand what's going on. I don't feel you. This isn't how our relationship used to look. Pour all of that out, those questions and the confusion out before God whether that's in prayer or in your journal or sing it out or dance it, whatever you want to do, pour that out before God. Let him take your burden and ask him to come into that space and meet you there. The third thing we do in lament is we speak the truth. Now in Psalm 42, after turning to God, after sharing the burden or pouring this out, the Psalmist reminds himself of who God is. See in this place where God feels distant, where God doesn't feel present, where he isn't answering prayers in the way he used to, he reminds himself of the truth of what God is like. And this is important, you know. We can very easily jump from step one to step three, but step two is really key. You know, step one, we turn to God. We can easily jump straight to reminding yourself of the truth before we've poured all of the stuff out. So I want to encourage you, pour everything out and then remind yourself of the truth. Now, as funny as this might seem to some of you, What Psalm 42 and a number of the Psalms and throughout the scriptures is calling us to do is to talk to ourselves. And it's saying that that's a really healthy, spiritually mature, emotionally uh, healthy thing to do. Talk to yourself, lead yourself, remind yourself of what is true. I know some of you might not buy that straight away, but just bear with me for a moment. The famous Welsh preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the doctor, he said these two helpful things about this spiritual discipline said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The main art in the matter of spiritual living, get the, he says the main art, this is really key. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. This is self-leadership that we see in Psalm 42. See, all of us have got a voice going on in our head. Personally, I've got a very critical voice, a voice that is always telling me what I should be doing and how I should be doing it better. I know some of you have got really encouraging voices in your head that are always just edifying, building you up. That's amazing. But we've all got a voice in our head that speaks to us from time to time. And we need to make sure, as the psalmist is saying here, as Lloyd-Jones is saying, that we are not being led by the words and the comments and the feelings and ideas floating around in our heads and hearts, but that we are leading ourselves according to God's truth, that we're speaking to ourselves and preaching to ourselves and leading ourselves. And the Psalmist does this to himself here. They preach to themselves in verse 11. Why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? He's speaking to himself. Hope in God for I shall again praise him my salvation And my God, it's an amazing picture of self-leadership here. The psalmist points himself to God and tells himself to hope in him. He reminds himself of what is true despite what he feels. That's a huge thing for our generation, our cultural moment, to remind ourselves of what is true despite what we're experiencing or what we feel. And that's so key because feelings are great servants but terrible masters. Feelings are there to point out what is going on inside of us, but not to lead us, not to define us, not to make the choices for us. We shouldn't be ruled by or led by our feelings. In fact, we should rule or lead them. We need to speak to our inner worlds and speak to our souls. And we can see here that it's possible to lead our souls from turmoil to hope. The last thing that I want to point out here is that in the prayer of lament, the goal is to get to a place of trusting in God, to move from despair to joy, to move from fear to faith, to move from feeling um, isolated or lonely to intimate with God, to go from turmoil to peace and health. And the psalmist, as they come into God's presence, and as they've cried out to God, as they've poured out their souls, they've remembered who God is and what he has, is like, and their joy has been rekindled. He knows God. He knows that God rules and reigns over everything. And he knows that God's redemptive hand is at work. He he knows that God is good. And so he responds in praise and trust to God. He still doesn't know when God is going to give him what he wants. He still doesn't know when things are going to change. He still doesn't know when God will answer his prayer and satisfy him in the way that he most wants. But he's been. I guess he's found himself secure. He's been stabilized by the fact that he knows who God is and what God is like. Maybe you need that reminder this morning. But I guess the question is why? Why would we come to Jesus or trust Jesus if you're feeling these things, if you feel thirsty, if you feel alone? The answer is because Jesus has been through it. You see, on the cross, Jesus experienced all of these things in our place for you and for me. The psalmist writes in Psalm 42 verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And maybe you're thirsting for God today. Well, on the cross, John the Apostle, Jesus' best friend, writes this about his experience. He says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And what's happening there is that on the cross, Jesus was thirsty in our place, so we would not have to thirst anymore. He was thirsty for us so that we could be satisfied in God and filled with him. In fact, speaking earlier when Jesus was preaching in the Gospel of John, he said in John 4 verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I want to ask you today, are you thirsty? Are you satisfied? Do you crave something? Well, if so, come to Jesus and let him fill you up. Psalm 42, verse 10. It says, As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? On the cross, Jesus was dying he was beaten pretty badly and he was wounded he he was suffering it was really really hard and at the same time he's being mocked by people in the crowd and they're saying to him where is your god you know if you really are the messiah the son of god surely god or the angels will come and rescue you so jesus was mocked in that moment and he was forsaken by god Matthew 27 46 about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying Eli Eli lama sabachthani that is my God my God why have you forsaken me you see sin is the thing that separates us from God but on the cross Jesus dealt with our problem of sin and our problem of separation from God once and for all by being forsaken by God in our place so that we would never need to be forsaken again. See, Jesus took all of our sin on himself and gave us all of his righteousness so that he was separated in our place so that we would never need to be separated from God again. But for Jesus in that moment, he was very lonely. See, Jesus had always had a perfect relationship or fellowship with God. He'd always known God's nearness. But now on the cross for the first time, Jesus was separated from the Father by our sin, your sin and mine, the sin of the world. And in that moment, he experienced a deep personal existential loneliness so that you and I do not have to. See, Jesus was separated from God so that you and I could be brought near. Jesus was forsaken by God so that you and I could be adopted into God's family. And Jesus went thirsty on the cross so that you and I can be satisfied. As we start out 2021, I want to invite you to enter this year, I know it's already the 10th, but to enter this year with a prayer of lament. Lament the things that have been lost in 2020, the dreams that have died, the disappointments, the hurts, the pains. Lament your confusion and uncertainty about the future. Lament, bring your questions to God. Lament all the things that you felt overwhelmed by, uncertain of, anxious about, stressed or depressed about. Bring them to God. And lament over the injustice that we've seen in 2020 and 2021 already in our city, in our hearts, and all around the world. Bring all of this stuff to God and invite him into it to meet you in that place. I believe he will. I remember a few years ago hearing a friend say something that I thought was so profound. He said, time doesn't heal all things. It's what we do with the time that counts. And as we enter into this new year, I want to ask you, what are you going to do with that stuff that is filling your heart and your soul? Are you going to bring it with you into this new year? Are you going to let it define you? Let let the things of 2020 define the things of 2021? Or are you going to bring it all to God and let him come into the mess and redeem and refine and redefine those things in and through your life? As the song begins to play now, cool, in the background. Why don't you respond in prayer and lament? Why don't you practice this prayer of lament on your own, in this room, with whoever you're watching this with, and do these four things. Turn to God. Pour out your heart. Bring your burden to Him. Remind yourself of what is true about God. And finally, trust in Him.
1: Worship you.
2: never stop working you never stop you never stop you are